Hi all uh, and welcome. Uh, my name is Matthew Boyd. I'm one of the uh, leaders at Christchurch. We offer you a warm welcome. Um, yeah, really grateful to be here today and uh, thankful that we get to share God's word. Just sit back and listen and reflect. We're going to have a great time together. And this particular parable has, has been really speaking to me, uh, as normally what happens when you do prepare for a message. Um, so I hope that uh, you find it helpful. Um, we're looking at the traits of the kingdom, uh, heaven and earth, and we're carrying on our theme of the mustard seed uh, or a seed. Um, we find Jesus as followers at this time. Um, they're tired and they want change. They're tired of living under the Roman occupation. They, they want change and they want hope. That's what they're looking to Jesus for. They're, they're sick and tired of being suppressed. I think we can relate a little. Not that we're under Roman occupation. Um, but I don't think I only speak for myself when I say that we're tired of this current situation and we're desperate for change. A glimmer of good news, a little bit of hope that life will one day look more normal. We may want change in a number of situations, not just this. We just want that little bit of hope, don't we? It's also wired within us that we want to be the change. So we don't just want to see change, but we want to be the change as well. This is why we have jobs. This is why we volunteer at charities. We have a desire to work. We're at, it's at the core, we are pushing for our society to be better. We want to see change in some way, shape or form. There's an author called uh, Dorothy Sayers who lived in the 1900s uh, and she gave great insight into this. She wrote, imagine that everyone quits working right now. What happens? Civilized life quickly melts away. Food vanishes from the shelves, gas dries up at the pumps, <clears throat> streets are no longer patrolled, and fires burn themselves out. Communication and transportation services end, utilities go dead. Those who survive at all are soon huddled around campfires, sleeping in caves, clothed in raw animal hides. The difference between a wilderness and culture is simply work. I found that quote quite interesting and that it was done in the 1900s but if imagine if we just stopped working it's built within our dna we're all people who want to see change either personally or in terms of our occupation john scully he was the co-president of pepsi and steve jobs the founder of apple wanted him to work at his organization and i think steve jobs kept on asking him to work at, at uh, Apple and John Scully kept on refusing. Then one quote got him. I don't know if you've heard it. Um, it's quite famous, but it was this. This is what Steve Jobs said to him. Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life or come with me to change the world? Scully said the question landed like a punch to the gut. I think if we're completely honest with ourselves, we don't feel like we're changing the world. We feel more like we're selling sugared water. The little bit of progress we start to make, either personally or within various jobs, are a lot of times short-lived, broken, or not quite white. We could potentially continually feel frustrated by this. The people listening to Jesus speak were continually frustrated. They, like us, wanted to see change, and they wanted to see it now. They were desperate for it. 
the people listening to Jesus had a very geopolitical worldview. So let's be in their shoes just for a few minutes. I want you to imagine you heard about the Messiah coming, the Christ. You've heard about him coming all your life, and now you believe he's here. You believe that when he comes, real change is going to happen. And you have already heard him speak about his kingdom coming. You're excited. You and your family have been under constant oppression of the Roman Empire. You have seen the rich become richer and the poor become disregarded. You know of family and friends who've been unfairly slaughtered and crucified. Your possessions have been unlawfully taken away. You are tired of constant oppression and you are desperate for change. Your view is that when the Christ comes, Rome will get what they deserve. You want action and you want it immediately. You're looking for military intervention, an event that would shake everything up. You want Christ to establish his kingdom with force and might and power. And you're about to hear him speak. You haven't heard him speak before, so you're waiting, anticipating what his first words are going to say. I can imagine it being in the days when we used to go to concerts. I don't know if you ever went to a concert. There were thousands of people there and the band might have done quite a loud song. And then they get the acoustic guitar out and the singer starts playing a poignant song. And then the atmosphere in, the, in that room just changes because of the lyrics of the song. Everyone doesn't sing along to the song, but they listen in because the lyrics are so beautiful and poignant. I don't know if you I've ever been in that situation, but it really is something when everyone, 1,000, thousands of people are just silent, listening. I imagine it being a little bit like that. Everyone there, crowds of people, Jesus gets on the boat, goes onto the lake, projects his voice. You're waiting for him to speak. You've been waiting for this your whole life. And Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And you're thinking, I thought he was going to be talking about how we're going to crush the Roman Empire with might and power. I don't understand this. You see, here's the thing. Jesus subverts our expectations of how change can be achieved. Not just change that lasts a little, but real, life-altering, joy-giving, eternal change. Jesus also subverts our expectations of our involvement because, spoiler alert, it's not about us. Let's have a look at the passage uh, that we just read and we'll uh, um, kind of look into that and give a bit of context, context. So straight off the bat, we see that this parable represents, as Jesus told, a similar parable before and explained it to his disciples. From the previous passages, we've seen that the seed is the word of God, the gospel, the good news. Jesus confirms this in verse 14, which I just read, when he explains this to his disciples. The farmer sows the word. The man or farmer in this passage represents ordinary people like me and you sowing seed and spreading God's message to whoever we can. So let's read the passage again, just very quickly. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, 
though it does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Jesus simply explains about a man or a farmer doing his job, scattering seeds day in, day out. There's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing special about his activity. It's absolutely run-of-the-mill ordinary. The farmer, day in, day out, scatters the seeds on the ground. Just note the rhythm and cycle of this passage. Sleep and rise. Night and day. Sprout and grow. I want you to know that Jesus doesn't give the farmer any credit for the growth of the seed. Jesus doesn't say anything about the farmer toiling the land, working the soil, watering the plants, pulling any weeds. He doesn't say any in fact. In fact, the farmer in this uh, passage is not a big player at all in the whole process. When Jesus explains this, he used the Greek word automate, which we get the word automatic, which means by itself, without human effort. The man sleeps and rises night and day. And without any interference on his part, the seed sprouts and grows. The only factor that contributes to the growth of the seed is the soil in verse 28. God's kingdom grows from soil that is hospitable to his word. We learn this in the first parable of chapter 4 where it says, Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Soil meaning the human heart. The seed grows slowly, steadily, gradually, inconspicuously, if you can say that. And then suddenly, first, the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. When the grain is ripe and grown, he gets a sickle, which is a farming tool, and then he stores it in the harvest. Now, for his followers, if they understood what Jesus was saying, they must have, it must have turned their world upside down as they thought that the kingdom would come immediately, like what I've just said, with might and strength and power. But no, Jesus is saying that his kingdom will grow when he decides it's going to grow. And it will grow slowly and steadily without human effort. He decides when it grows, not us. What is our role? Well, we are called to spread the message day in, day out, within our daily lives. As we go to work, parent our kids, speak to our neighbours, socialise with friends. What I want us to do now, I want us to reflect on our spheres of influence. Where has God placed you? Where's God placed me? You may say, my sphere of influence wasn't that big in the first place. But now in this pandemic, it's even worse. My world has shrunk. I don't see anyone. Everyone I see I speak on the screen. How can I sow any seed? How can I plant any seeds 
and see it grow in anyone, how can I be of any use? In chapter 3 of Exodus, God tells Moses to go ahead and lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And Moses said in chapter 4, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God says to you and he says to me, what's in your hand? What have you got? What influence have you, have you got? Where have I placed you? Let's think about it. Look around you. Who are you with? Who are you in contact with? Who do you speak to? Who do you look after? Let's start there. What is in your hand? What have you got? It doesn't matter how insignificant. God is saying to us, what is in your hand? You may say then, okay, I feel that, but I, I don't feel equipped or cut out to, uh, to sow seed. And I feel that too, every day. But let me try and encourage you with a story in the Bible, which whilst going through this passage has been ingrained into my brain whilst I've been preparing for today. Very often I feel like, when I feel about um, what we're speaking about, very often I feel like the boy and the disciples when they only have five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. Don't you feel like that? I feel that what I sow is so small, especially now when we don't see people or have, converse, have conversations. How can you live your lives out in front of people in lockdown where our worlds have seemingly shrunk? Well, here's the good news. And I'll say it again. It's not about you and it's not about me. Just a reminder of the story in Matthew chapter 14. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Just note here, Jesus is calling his disciples to do something impossible. He's calling them to feed people knowing that they do not have the resources. So we carry on. His disciples say, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He, then he gave to them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 5, men, besides women and children. Jesus, in a very physical way, is displaying what he was talking about in the parable. It doesn't matter how small our contribution is. God is the one who can multiply it. 
How amazing is that? Just think what that means. If we really believe that, if we believe this, then this would shape every part of our lives. Surely, if we, if we believe that what we have is small, but God can use that, then surely that would shape how we live today. A couple of quick practical examples. Parents, when we're tired and stressed, and we've not read the Bible to our children in quite a while, and we just manage to pray with them on a night, you feel that you're giving them what you're giving them is so tiny, and you strive to do more. But you can rest in the fact that it's not about you. Your role is to sow the seed, share the good news of Jesus. And with open hands, you leave God with the results. Your prayer life could be transformed if we believe this. You're able to pray bold, audacious, sometimes ridiculous prayers because you know it's not about you. As an example, I can pray that the words I speak can impact people listening to this, watching this, but not just impact those people, you, but impact other people around you as well and grow that word within you. Why? Because it's not about me. It's amazing to think that God can use our tiny efforts to grow his kingdom. I'm going to close with this. Most of you will know about the story of David and Goliath. The famous story of when David brought down the big giant. You hear, you hear it said during a number of the FA Cup matches, David and Goliath. We see in this story in Samuel 17 where Goliath, who was nine feet tall and a champion fighter, was more or less saying to the Israelite army, come on then. If you, if you grow, grew up in Pontefract and you said to someone, come on then, <laughs> that was it, you're going to end up in a scrap. And that's basically what Goliath was doing to the army of Israel. And he was also mocking God. The army was petrified. And then David came onto the scene, a shepherd boy who was basically delivering food for his, for his brothers who were in the army. And there's a comical scene where the king listens to David because David is saying, why are we listening to Goliath? And then he says, you know what? You go and fight him then. And his brothers were incensed. They thought that he'd gone well above his station. Anyway, he goes to put the armor on. The king's armor is too big, doesn't fit. So he goes off looking completely ill-prepared, gets a stone, puts it in a sling, and then the rest is history. He hits Goliath and he drops down dead. We may look at that story, and what I don't want us to do is look at that story and think David is our example, because he isn't. David is definitely not our example. But what I want us to do is look at that story and think that we are not David in this story. That story isn't telling us that it's all about us, 
that we go out and fight the battles. And if God is on our side, we can win any, every war. If God is on our side, we can sow seed and things will happen because of us. It's not what he's saying because we're not David in the story. The Bible has an amazing thread all the way through. It's got different people who foreshadow Jesus. Just replace David with Jesus for a minute. It's all about him. Jesus came from very unlikely circumstances in a worldly sense. He looked ill-equipped, ill-prepared. He was taunted, laughed at, spat upon, ridiculed, yet he's the one that defeated the big giant, Satan, sin, and death. He did it all. Christ, like David, is our spirit-filled champion. God is the one that does the work, not us. God is the one who changes lives, not us. God is the one who goes before us. God has the power and the authority to change situations and circumstances, things we would never seem possible. Impossible situations where God changes and moves. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Steve Jobs said that if you work at Apple, you would change the world. But we know that that is fleeting and it will not last. How do you change the world? by continually pointing people to Jesus within every sphere of our lives. It doesn't matter how small, knowing that he and he alone provides ultimate peace, hope, and joy, which this world so desperately needs. And with open hands, we leave God with the results because it's not about us. Thanks for staying with us. Nice to welcome Matt back to the screen. Ash, Hello. nice to have you with us today as well. Thanks for reading for us. No uh, good to hear from you today, Matt, because we're hearing from God's word. It's just what an awesome thing that is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've right. been a Christian for, for quite a few few years now, get, getting on a bit. And uh, it's funny how... Um, that God can still speak to us. You were saying that God spoke to you this week through this this parable. And I, I do feel like, mm. have I ever read this parable before? Mm. The parable of the growing seed, that's a... Yeah, I think... I know seed I think, parables, but this one? <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of gets, um, well, for me anyway, not for everyone, but can, maybe it just gets lost in the, you know, you've got you've got the one at the start, don't you, about the, um, the seed and the soil and, you know, that being taken away. You know, that one... You know the one that's after this, which is the uh, the one that grows into, you know, into a tree, and the birds go. Into, but yeah, this one is it's. But I think it's such a simple. Boy, it, it's like an it's like a song and an acoustic. It's like a song, in an acoustic set. That was a great illustration. I thought. Well, yeah, I just thought, that was helpful. Yeah, I just yeah, like you yeah. can hear a pin drop in those moments, can't you? And then you realise that you're in a moment where, oh, this is actually significant, and something's going to be explained here, and yeah. I, rec- I reckon everybody, everyone would have been there ready for the like the rock song or ready for the war story, and they got like a little a, a gentle, yeah, um, gardening illustration. But yeah, but yeah. that you can't walk away and not think about. So yeah, that was no. a very I like that. Yeah, so yeah, I cut you. I cut you. 
Well. <laughs> you know, I have I have just a little question, just something that probably in my own mind I just want to kind of solidify and and clarify. We, so we talked today about the seed and the seed being sown, and the seed being the word. What? How are we? What? Who is the word? How are we narrowing that down um, in terms of our own mind? What is it that we're that seed? What is that that we're that we're sown? Well, for me, I I read that in terms of the context of you know chapter four, and that's why we, we read chapter one to um, verse one to nine. Sorry, saying seed is the word of God, and that for me is the is is the good news. That is 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 the Holy Spirit working within someone's life and and producing fruit. You know, the it, it talks about the the kernel, the head, it grows. You know, so when we see uh, and when we see it in ourselves, uh, fruit from someone who's become a christian and or you, or you feel like like you're growing that for me is that that the, the growth of a, of a christian but it had the, the, the word has to be planted but actually you you had a bit of a we had a bit of a tune like about this about the planting of the seed didn't you and the kind of that stirring up oh we did i don't know, yeah, if, you, I don't know if you want to um <laughs> that, was nice, that was a nice that was a nice radio-esque <laughs> segue it was like you. it was like it was Graham Norton-esque, that handing it over. Um, More match of the day. Yeah. No, I did. Well, I was. Me and Jude went out, as everybody is doing at the moment, out for a walk. And yeah. this might not work actually because the kids will be listening. But um, we <laughs> we we had the idea of getting a bag of chips. So Jude had the idea of getting a bag of chips. And with somebody like me, it's just once you plant that seed, there is. I can't. I couldn't. Fuck. I couldn't even think about anything else. Just the idea of the chip, you know, and all my whole. The whole next 15 minutes really were um, taken up with this idea that I might get a bag of chips. I was like, oh, what, should, what should I get on my bag of e- chips? Easily, please. It was just, and then we got to the chip shop. This is going somewhere anyway. This We got to the chip shop and it was shut and I was really disappointed. But it was just the idea. Jude, and then Jude, Jude apologised. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'd planted a seed. And I, mm. I thought, oh, that in a lot of ways, the, the kingdom's like that. God has planted a seed um, through what he did, through his word, you know, fulfilled by jesus that mm. that grabs hold of you in such a way mm. it's like a you know it's like a seed has been planted and we can't ever you know you said you made the point that we it's not something we do on our own it's not about us and there's a sense in which it's just about the fact that god's put this great story in our way mm-hmm. that we're never going to be able to you know to look past you know the more mm. that we the, as i thought about getting my chip booty or whatever it was i was going to get i was like oh it's just, and it wasn't me i didn't need to I didn't need to invest in it. I didn't need to really think about how I was going to, you know, I w- it was just there. And I think the sense with the kingdom, it's like that. It's just, you know, the mechanics of it are, it's such an awesome story. Mm-hmm. If we actually, if we actually get hold of the story, we're not going to have to work that hard at, at it. You know, it will, mm-hmm. it will, it will happen within us. And it, and, and it grows. And uh, the thing, it grows without human effort. That's the big thing within that parable. You know, the farmer goes to bed, wakes up, sows a seed and you know for us you know that god uses us to sow that seed is, a, is an amazing thing that we can do that um friends family neighbors um just in any small way uh, that's what i really want to get across we sometimes belittle the small things don't we and think oh what, how is that going to have any significance but god is the one that grows it not us and that for me is the power of the parable and uh, and the yeah. And yeah. So, you, so you're saying that the 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 seed is the word of God or the the word. So the storyline of Jesus. So the story of Jesus either 
as as we tell it, or particularly as the Bible tells it. That, yeah, yeah, that story yeah, yeah. of Jesus from beginning to from Genesis to Revelation. Even if you think of the word as being the Bible, the it you know from from page one to page one it points forward to him. From the last page it points uh-huh. it points back to him. And there's a, yeah, there's a sense of, and it's and it is a it is a weird certainly if if you've grown up in church you might go oh yeah I can understand the word as being Jesus, but it is quite it is a bit of a difficult. It might be a curveball concept if you're listening in or trying to get your head around Christianity for the first time. Mm. You know this this idea, but the the Bible speaks about it the whole way through. It. John says, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word yeah, was with absolutely. God." This idea of Jesus being this revelation, I think mm. that's probably a, a way to understand it. This mm-hmm. revelation is is the storyline, you know, of the Bible, and it's it's what it's what Jesus is. He fulfills it. He lives it out. You know, he enters into that story and makes mm-hmm. you know makes sense of it. Mm. yeah so it does that's that's the so seed that, that is the sense in which we i guess what you were saying you were saying body that it being a christian um is in the little things so in the little things we are like jesus we we are uh displaying his light i think the the little section before is the like the parable of the um lamp the light the lamp. The, the lamp on the stand that it gives yeah. more light so kind of as as Jesus is at work in us, actually, we become more Jesus-like. That kind of that is that what you well, mean? What what does being a Christian with the little things look like? Do you think that's a, that, that, that's a well? You could flip it and say it, it looks like Jesus. <laughs> you can always say that the, the Sunday school answer, can Jesus? But I, I think what it looks like is um, you know that there's. There's always a pointing back. Even it could be you don't you, when you you don't say things, you know. It could be always pointing back to something bigger, uh, where people ask mm-hmm. the question, you know, why do you have faith in, or you know, what gets you up on the morning, you know, um, how you act at work, um, how you, um, I don't know, speak with your kids. Um, it's been a tough old time, hasn't it? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they the are kids, they are like the, the best of you. <laughs> they're like that is the kingdom, is it? That's the mustard seed. You, you look at it on the exactly. face of it, you go, it's really small. This, mm-hmm. I'm just bothering to spend time with my kids, or I'm just concerned about my neighbour, or whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. On the face the of it, it looks points, small. Absolutely. And yeah, actually, mm-hmm. but actually, mm-hmm. that's you know, if humanity could be raised up to that, if humanity would be moved by those little things, it would be a mm-hmm. huge thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the. Kingdom, we could look for a million years to try and find a way to, you know, um, to bring equality. We could look for mm. a million years to find that, and we could try and think of some really. Ex- we could set up a team. We could fabricate a really expensive way to do it. We could, you know, create laws. We could create a national body. And yet, if the little seeds that, if we had within it, every one of us, we had kingdom seeds like that that were like, mm. as you described, then we'd get it. Mm. You know, that mm. it's a little thing, but it's at the same time. It's yeah. huge. But my reflections were that it does always feel, it often feels small. As you said that, I thought, no, it does often feel, mm-hmm. it feels like a small thing. And my reflections were, I need faith. I, I need to, I need to invest in the, these parables. I need to remember what, I need to remember the kingdom's not like what I'm going to expect. Even as a pastor, I'm still thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. we've, you know, I'm still looking for military intervention. I'm still thinking, how's, it, <laughs> how's this going to work? And yet um, I need to be reminded by listening coming under the word to say you know it's it's the small things mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. requires faith ultimately 
It does. And it's not just small things in and of himself. We're just saying lots of little small things. We believe that God can grow those small things, you know. So me speaking now or anyone speaking on this, you know, that could be something. Yeah. However, our, our prayer is that that grows into something else. So we always want that small thing by the power of the Holy Spirit to become a bigger thing. We want the church to grow. We want our children to be Christians. We want our work colleagues to know Jesus, etc. And that gives that empowers us when we pray to know, you know, what, I'm doing these small things, but I'm not mindlessly doing them. I'm doing them knowing that you have empowered these seeds to do something. And that's where I don't have control. It's not me controlling the small seeds. If I manufacture this, then, you know, we'll get an outcome. <laughs> it's more, I'm, with open hands, God, you've got this, you know, and that's a relief <laughs> for me because, you know, it don't depend on me. One of the things I've been reflecting on is the idea that just actually it's not even about um, doing something, but it's about perspective. So, mm. like, the kingdom parables for me have have um, have all kind of chipped away at that, like our perspectives on the world, how we view the world, how we view God at work in the world. And so actually I might on the face of it not be doing anything, but, you know, mm. when pandemics come my way and I'm not completely without hope, I mean, I'm fed up beyond measure but do you know the fact that I'm not crushed without hope I'm not mm. completely in despair that I still hope or do you know even when things like death come along do you know and mm. actually my perspective on death is different mm. because of because of the seed being at work in me do you know actually it's not necessarily a doing thing but just even that mindset that kind of that, that God in your life gives you is actually can be just as powerful um, as actually a physical doing thing. Does that make sense? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, sorry, go on, Ash. Sorry, it's never what you're, exp I think one of my reflections is it's, even though we, you know, we'll, I think Jesus tells the parables and he tells so many parables, parables about the kingdom because it's going to be pretty unexpected, even though we try and prep for it by um, preaching his word and listening to his word you know, for 20 years, I still think mm. it still feels like when we read things like that or when we read about what the parable, what the kingdom's actually going to look like, we still think, really? We, you know, we're still, <laughs> we're still shocked by it. It's still through. You know, it's still at work. You froze on me there, so I'm, uh, and Jude is uh, yeah, frozen as well. I don't... <laughs> I'm not sure. What, not sure. I'm, 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 I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Jude's frozen altogether. What What we'll do? I think, <laughs> I think, I think Jude is gone. <laughs> unless, unless What's this, great? you know, this she's just blown away by my last anecdote. I don't think that's probably the case. So we'll. Um, I'll just close with a word of prayer. Thanks everyone for. Um, thanks, Boydie, so much for bringing God's word to us. Thanks. No problem. Miss you all, Lords, at home. But we hope to be back um, at Christchurch soon. In the meantime. Uh, we wait on our God. Let's just pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you that we can know that um, even tech errors are all uh, in your hands. And in the same way that that is in your hands, so are our daily lives. Father God, we just pray um, 
and take confidence in the fact that you are the God of every moment, whether it be a huge thing or whether it be a small thing. Father God, we pray that we will be people who um, produce fruit for you, not in that we go out of our way to work hard, but in that we trust in your grace, uh, that we are moved by your love and we see your call for mercy on this world. Father God, this is our prayer. This is our petition. Be with us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Cheers, guys. Take care.